Welcome back to Drones in America by Marcus Scale. I'm your host, Brant Giat, and I'm a partner in the Unmanned Aircraft Systems team leader at the law firm of Adams & Reese. We are here today for a very special episode to celebrate some great news, and I am joined today by Mike Bates, who is the Vice President of Aerospace Defense and Security, and of course, the CEO of DroneUp, Tom Walker. DroneUp is uh, one of the parties that is um, part of the big announcement that was made a couple of days ago, and I'm going to let Tom talk a little bit more about that. Um, but of course, we are here to celebrate that, and it's really a reflection of how great the drone industry is doing and how hard DroneUp has worked to really um, test the bounds and to do everything it can within the confines of Part 107 to integrate drones into the airspace. So without further ado, let's start with Tom Walker, CEO of DroneUp. Tom, uh, I'm gonna let you go ahead, and for those who haven't heard, uh, tell us the news. Um, okay, thank you, Grant, and, and great to be with you and Mike, as always. Um, uh, on Tuesday, um, it was announced that uh, a partnership between uh, was formed and, and launched between Walmart, Quest Diagnostics, and Grown Up to uh, do the first uh, delivery of COVID self-testing kits to residential homes uh, within a one-mile radius of a um, of one of the uh, Walmart pharmacies and, and super centers here in uh, Las Vegas. Um, and uh, the operation actually started on Tuesday. Uh, we actually started doing actual deliveries yesterday. Um, and then once this operation is, uh, or not, actually not even when this operation is over in a few weeks, we're gonna take the operation and we're gonna also be conducting the same thing in uh, upstate New York. Uh, it's very exciting uh, because it, it is the opportunity to use uh, drones and drone technology uh, operating under the constraints of part 107 but to actually deliver these at-home self-test kits to uh, people who may be symptomatic or maybe public, uh, uh, you know, first responders or public safety officials, uh, and give them the opportunity to uh, have that delivered contact-free, um, and then return the test uh, also free of charge. I, I think it's just an innovative uh, application of our technology, and and to have the opportunity to do it under Part 107 is is exciting for our team. Uh, but I think. Uh, also, more importantly than that, it gives us the opportunity to really kind of take the lessons we've been learning and some of the things that we did going all the way back to Operation Last Mile and really test and learn. And I can tell you that uh, it's been a really exciting event, but more importantly, uh, we, we, we've learned so much in just two days. And I can't imagine what we're going to do over the next uh, 490 something deliveries that we'll be doing here uh, over the next few weeks. Thanks, Tom. It certainly is huge news. And to see these kind of operations conducted under Part 107 is really something unique for our industry to see. When we think drone deliveries, we automatically go to Part 135. So, so to see what you guys can do under Part 107, um, of course, you're limited in that you can't go beyond the line of sight and you can't cross state lines. But that being said, that doesn't mean you can't do anything. And DroneUp is proving that, in fact, you can do quite a lot. Mike Blades from Frost & Sullivan, I also have here as well. Last week, Tom and I both participated on a panel at Commercial UAV Expo that Mike moderated. And it focused on the effects of COVID-19 on the drone industry and how both the drone industry and the FAA are rising to the challenge. Um, of course, Tom was busting to talk about this last week because it would have fit perfectly within Mike's panel discussion, but 
uh, we, we were prohibited from doing so because the announcement was not public yet. So uh, Mike, what are your thoughts on this innovative um, project that Walmart, Quest Diagnostics, and of course DroneUp have entered into to conduct these operations under Part 107? Well, I think it's all great. I mean, it's sort of a, an extension of what's been happening, um, you know, from a delivery perspective from, I guess, from, from the jump. I mean, where we've seen a lot of success is particularly around the delivery of critical items that have to do with medical supplies. And um, I mean, zip line successes are, are all around uh, medical supplies. The, the Part 135 operations that have been authorized have been around uh, medical supplies for the most part. Um, UPS says wings, not so much, but UPS was a multi-pilot and wings wasn't, you know, at the beginning. So um, I think an aerobotics, when they got their, their quick 24-hour uh, uh, waiver that we talked about, that was around, you know, a lot of this is, is very driven by, and I think it, it makes sense, critical needs. Um, not, not so much, you know, delivering you know, food, which can be critical, but more so around, you know, um, things, and COVID has just accelerated this, I think. I mean, Tom, Tom can speak to it more than I can, but I mean, we were going down this path already, you know, part 135, uh, and, and even Tom working on uh, part 107 stuff was, was really, you know, ahead of this. And then COVID has sort of really accelerated. And I even talked, so I'm doing a report on, um, drone to box companies right now, which basically, you know, you can think of a drone to box, but really the, uh, the uh, part of the allure of drone to box is hands off, right? It's in autonomy. So in autonomy is going to drive, drive the market down the road because, you know, what's the most costly portion of a, an operation? It's the personnel. So, and so, you know, even if, when you think about what Tom's doing right now, even if you can have a pilot that has to keep eyes on it, if they can pilot more than one drone at the same time with some sort of autonomy, that's a huge issue. That's a, I mean, a huge, you know, uh, we call it a force multiplier in the military. And then um, taking that a step further where you have uh, the pilots who are completely remote, maybe from a, a, a works, uh, what do you call it, a, like a control center or something like that, you know, like like what NASA does with the space launches, but they're all monitoring these these drones as they go do their, you know, autonomous operations. And a lot of that uh, is gonna be, you know, to, to deliver these critical items from a delivery standpoint, but also in, in the, the COVID response has, like I said, in talking to most of the people that, I, that I've discussed with lately, have accelerated this, not that it wasn't in, in, in play already, but the technology uh, has been, the, the improvement technology has been accelerated partially because we're being able to do a lot more flying and testing. It's, it's becoming more socially and public, uh, socially accessible, public acceptance seems to be on the rise. Um, understanding, it, you know, that in these unique times, people are sort of changing their minds about certain things because uh, they have a different viewpoint now. It's like, wait a minute, can this help me get something quicker that's gonna, you know, either make me feel better or save my life, perhaps with with Tom's, you know, uh, quick testing and stuff. I mean, it, it's huge, and you know, COVID's horrible, and 2020 has just been a nightmare. Um, because every time I turn around, it seems like something. You, you when you think the worst has has happened, there's something else that comes around. I mean, we've got COVID and murder hornets and you know, crazy people all over the place, but um, it's. It has 
one bright spot has been that it has accelerated, uh, I think, the, the use or at least the understanding of what the benefits and efficiencies that drones can provide. And it's just, it's just moved things, I think, to the left quite a bit. I agree completely. And I will say that prior to COVID, um, there was not as nearly the degree of interest in drone deliveries as there has been. As an attorney, um, you know, within weeks of COVID, when some of these companies started realizing the value of drone deliveries, and not only that, but how the public would respond to having this vehicle that's not only a social distancer by its nature, you know, but that can take the place of human functions when humans are quarantined. Um, you know, I, I had companies reaching out to me, a couple of them um, I'm working with on part 135 applications. But what is really unique is I've had the pleasure of working with Tom and Drone Up on this part 107 process. And it's truly, I have to give the credit to Tom because this is an idea that I had not heard of. I, I had never heard the idea of a company like Drone Up, a big name in the industry, wanting to take something as advanced as drone delivery and try and make it fit within part 107. And even as an attorney, I can tell you that um, when you're reading the laws and you're hearing how people analyze part 135 versus part 107, it's, oh, well, part 107 is not scalable. It's not scalable, not scalable. You can't go beyond line of sight. It's not scalable. Tom, you know, you did a great job in showing us why, why that's wrong. You know, it's, it's just something I had never really thought about until I started working with you guys that I really saw the possibilities of how scalable part 107 deliveries truly can be. Tell us what led you to gain this idea that you can truly scale drone deliveries under part 107. Well, thank you for those uh, uh, kind words. I, I will tell you that one of the things that's important to understand is people keep saying we're trying to do these operations solely to do them under part 107. And there's the, all the questions that have been asking, you know, is part one, can you do delivery under part 107? And even if you can, is it scalable? And what is the purpose of this? Why are you trying to do this? And I, I think it's important to note that part 107 doesn't mean a guy flying using the sticks monitoring the drone and going down and doing a drop, but we're actually doing a lot of things right now in these part 107 pilot projects that has long-term applicability to 135 and to additional longer range things that we can do. For example, we're testing autonomous route optimization that allows us to not only minimize and mitigate the risk of flying over people and flying over moving vehicles, but we're also using machine language and AI to determine the best routes to fly uh, that allow us to maximize battery operations. We're testing multiple different payload systems and delivery systems to determine how they work within the various different communities and various different environmental conditions. Um, we're also training pilots on these different operations and they're, they're learning uh, about the different software technologies that we're using, but, but also, this will go a long way to changing the narrative of how the public sees drones in their neighborhood. I can tell you, we did actual residential deliveries yesterday. And in one case, we had people Facebooking, living, uh, Facebook Live the event. And at the end, they were just giddy and they were spreading it around. And when that was over, the number of people in the community that was requesting us to do deliveries just went up hy hyperbolically. 
Um, we've been out here now working on this project. We didn't launch officially the first real deliveries until yesterday. Um, but the number of people in the community that have come up and asked about what we're doing, asked when they could get delivery, and now are starting to ask, well, when can we get prescription medication delivered? When can we get over-the-counter medication delivered? Um, it, it, th this operation is not just about proving that we can do final mile delivery under Part 107. This operation is about proving that we can do final mile and further than final mile delivery by testing different applications, testing the mechanisms, testing the processes, testing the CONOPS. And, and we're discovering things that uh, quite candidly, with all of the work that we've done day one, we were like, stop, here's some new things that we've learned. And as you and Mike both know, we're very transparent with the industry. We share that data with the industry and we think what we're doing is gonna go a long way uh, to helping promote our industry, not just under part 107, but under part 135 and part whatever comes after that. I certainly agree. And that's wonderful to hear about the reaction from the citizens and the people who live in the residential area. When you think about, we're in September now, and we're, if we're not in flu season, we're approaching flu season. COVID of course is still out there. What do you normally have to do if you want to get medicine, if you're feeling sick, go to a pharmacy, go to a hospital, and you are putting yourself in a place where other sick people have been. So the notion that a drone can drop off a test kit or a prescription is huge. And I think this is the first time we've seen it done under part 107, or at least solely under part 107. And, and that's what I think is so interesting about the entire thing. It, it fits well within the FAA's um, advisory or advice that it put out in April. Uh, the FAA released a statement saying that it was enabling drone operations to the fullest extent possible under existing regulatory framework for things like COVID uh, test kits and things like that. So um, this has really been a great uh, partnership, not just among Walmart and Quest and uh, Drona, but it's also been great working with the FAA on this as well. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. Mike, I wanna pivot back to you. You obviously are in a position to really see how events like COVID are affecting the drone market and where the drone market is headed. Given the totality of everything that's transpired in our industry and in the country um, since February, would you say you are more optimistic or less optimistic about uh, approaching that, uh, you know, th that invisible line, we call it, the ubiquitous drone use, the, the point where drones are ubiquitous, commonplace in the skies, Jetsons. Do you feel like the events of the past few months have placed us in a position where we're closer to that or further away from that? Well, I, I think we're definitely closer. I think, uh, first of all, I want to, uh, I want to say something before I forget about, about Tom. I, I met Tom a year ago, uh, right almost about a year ago at uh, Commercial EV Expo. He was speaking before uh, myself and Colin Gwynn got on, on the stage. And obviously this was long before COVID was an issue, but the entire point of his talk was, let's stop griping about what we can't do because there's no visual, beyond visual line of sight rules and see what we can do, what we can do fully underneath part 107. Let's, let's, let's optimize, let's figure out. So he, he, they, that was the way, you, it was a different framework of, of, of or a, a frame of mind of looking at something, a different viewpoint. Let's maximize what we can do here instead of griping about what we can't do. Because, and I completely agree with that because what it has done is it's, those, those operations move forward so 
and get a lot of data, a lot of information so that you can move on to the next. Instead of having uh, waiting around for the FAA to do something, um, it's more to me incumbent on the industry to bring them solutions and say, this is, look, we've done this, 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 and this, so you should be able to approve us to do this. And, you know, it's, it, it should be a data-driven thing, and it, and it is. And when you, you know, like me being a pilot for, you know, I haven't flown for a while now, but being a, a rated pilot for 25 years, I get the FAA wanting safety. Um, there's a reason why we haven't had any, you know, significant accidents in, in the past, you know, five to 10 years. I think the only thing I can It remember, is 2020, Mike. Don't get, you know, knock on wood. <laughs> I'm knocking on wood. I'm just saying that the, the, considering, I mean, obviously air travel's down now, but considering how much air travel was happening over the past few years and in, increasing on an annual basis, um, and, and the fact that how safe we've been is, is I mean, you can, you can poo-poo the FAA all you want, but it's a testament to, to, to how that uh, agency focuses on safety. Um, the 737 MAX wasn't so much, that, that's sort of a, you know, one step forward, two steps back kind of thing. And that's an issue, another issue for another time, because then you start talking about how do you certify autonomy. But um, from a, from a, to answer your initial question, I do think, you know, I, and I, right after COVID happened, uh, I was talking, you know, Matt, uh, Matt Dunlevy was on our panel uh, last week too. And, you know, he asked me to write a, a letter for him to sort of outline my thoughts. And my thoughts were at the time that we were seeing pluses and minuses because the pluses being uh, just the demand for being able to get things uh, or, um, be, due to COVID response is increasing um, because drones enable you, you know, inherently to not have to be in contact with another person to do that, right? So, the, but on the other hand, there were some minuses because of all of the, uh, the commerce that was slowing down was causing revenue not to come in and that, that revenue not coming in was causing people to say, well, maybe we need to, to slow down on this new drone technology that we might've been using um, and, and put people back in. It, it was just a, a difference. You know, I've heard of companies losing contracts because, you know, they didn't have the money now to, to, to put towards it uh, because the COVID was not allowing them to because their, their revenues were down or whatever. Um, so there's, there was a plus and a minus, but even when we first, started talking about this, we saw it as a, a net gain. And I think as we've gone along, we've seen that net gain increase because of the efforts of companies like DroneUp. Um, there's other companies that have, you know, everybody's trying to get into the game now, but the companies that were already established and, and I think had, a, um, you know, a, a mindset of solving a problem already are benefiting, you know, DroneUp and, and Skyscopes and Zipline and, and those companies that have already been doing this. They're sort of learning and, and improving on the feedback because they've already got a system in place. If so, people are trying to hop on the bandwagon, they might be a little bit too late to, you know, to the party. But the other thing, you know, we're talking about COVID, you know, generating a, 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 a more of a demand to have things delivered. It also is generating more of a demand to have things done remotely that have nothing to do with, you know, delivering things. And, you know, as I said, I've been talking to companies that provide these drone in the box solutions and, what we're starting to see now is, and you know, this has always made sense to me, and I've tried to tell this to the companies that I've talked to, that if you have a solution that sits, say, in an uh, an industrial park, or it sits on a, 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 a in, an industrial site, maybe it's a, a what do they call those? A 
a power station, a power grid station or a power transfer station, someplace where you have to do a lot of uh, uh, inspections and whatnot. But they're always within that, that area of inside a fence, certain altitude, those kinds of things are way less expensive when you're taking a drone. Again, you have to, t you have to understand too that if you provide a, a solution that's, you know, 250,000, half a million dollars, you know, it, there's not gonna be a lot of, a lot of uh, demand for that. But if you can get that price down to where it's less than what a, a, a person that would, you would have to hire to do those inspections, or even from a security perspective, now you have a solution that is autonomous. And even though beyond visual line of sight rules aren't there, you have a much simpler, and you know this from, from a legal perspective, you have a much simpler pathway to waiver because you're always operating in a confined space, a confined area. You're not going over people unless they're part of the industry within that fence. And you can get a waiver to go that because those people are either wearing hard hats or they sign on and say, okay, yeah, we know there's drones flying overhead. Um, but that's much easier than if it's just a random go, you know, point to point operation. So the fact that COVID had, and again, it's not all COVID, but it's accelerated the, the, the notion that we can do these operations remotely because the technology's there. It was the regulatory framework that wasn't there. And so now we're, well, we want these, these things to happen, these inspections to occur, these, uh, you know, whatever you have to do, um, if it's a surveillance from a security perspective, um, if you want to do these things without human contact, uh, more so or, or an increasing basis to uh, you know, to sort of ward off the, the the possible transfer of COVID or whatever, and, and that's not just for COVID. That's for future gray rhino events too. This probably will not be the last you know pandemic we see. It's just been the biggest one. I mean, you had swine flu and and you know several other things. What was it? Uh, SARS and uh, avian flu, all those things. Um, just because they happen mostly in Asia doesn't mean they're not going to find their way over here more, especially with if the air travel picks up and all that. So I think we've seen that drones can solve many more problems than just taking things from one place to another. They can do things from a remote uh, distance and being able to do that and remove people from more from the equation of where they're assisting in, in an operation, whether it's inspections or, or security or whatever, then that's going to be more so accepted because um, and especially if you can do it on a, on a cost efficiency basis, um, if it, if the cost is too high, they're just going to keep the people doing it. Right. So, um, that's what the, the, that's what the, the drone and a box companies are, are dealing with right now. It's like, here's our opportunities. You know, where do we have to have the price point and what technologies do we have to have involved? A lot of them are looking at certain verticals, you know, um, some of them are proprietary drones versus, uh, uh drone agnostic solutions. So there's a whole bunch of things to consider but that's at least now they understand that there's more of a demand for these kinds of things and that technology for the autonomy in there is 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 just it's barreling down the road you know it's it's really uh, i mean a lot of technology is already there that we can use because regular the regulations uh, sort of uh handcuffed us but now you know COVID has just like i said moved so much so much to the left that um you know the answer to your initial question is yes, I think we're getting closer to, I don't know if it's ubiquitous. I think um, from a, a, a public acceptance perspective, I think the ubiquity and being able to accept drones has moved to the left somewhat. But, uh, you know, 
I think the demand is going to be significant. I don't think we're going to see a lot of hockey stick growth because again, anything you use a drone for, you're going to have to show an ROI. You, I mean, and if you can't show an ROI, then there's, there's, you know, just flying a drone just to fly a drone doesn't make any sense. Flying a drone to show cost efficiency or, or safety increases, save lives, no brainer. Absolutely. And Mike, you brought up some really great points. And one of the points that I want to go back to that you mentioned was how the FAA is there. They are encouraging of, of innovation. They do have the congressional mandate to implement drone technology into the national airspace. But you said something key, and it's I, I forgot exactly how you said it, but it was the company's industry, it's up to industry to do these things and to go in and to pave the path forward. It is not the FAA's responsibility to hold the industry's hand while we innovate. And Tom, I think that pretty much, I can't even, I mean, Tom, how many conversations have we had regarding this very issue? Um, it, 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 you know, it, it's uncanny. And in the process of, we've worked with the FAA through this entire process getting to this point. Um, I know there are going to be some naysayers who are going to go to the place of you can't have scalable drone deliveries under part 107. We're proving them wrong. Drone up is proving them wrong. And furthermore, we weren't doing this haphazardly. Um, we were doing this in direct response to the FAA's guidance issued in April that the industry do everything it can within the confines of the existing regulatory framework to assist with relief efforts. And I think what DroneUp is doing is a perfect example of that. So um, I can firsthand, I'm gonna let Tom talk about this in a second, we have just a few minutes left, but I do want to stress how helpful the FAA has been through this whole process and how supportive they've been. And they have put their money where their mouths are, or put their mouths where their money is. I don't, I forget which, which expression it is, but they are, they're doing it. They are walking the walk and you know, they've been fantastic to work with through this whole process. And uh, again, the fact that the solution was there all along, Part 107 was there all along. It just took a company saying, why do we keep trying to change, you know, change the framework? Let's see what we can do within it. Um, Tom, I want you to comment briefly because we just have a couple minutes left, but on what the process has been working with not just the FAA, but with uh, stakeholders in both the local state areas as well and how how that's assisted us in really pushing this process through. Yeah, uh, thanks. And I agree with everything that Mike said. I, I just want to say a couple of things. Number one is the question that we that keeps being asked over and over and over is certainly COVID has seemed to open up the opportunity to progress a little in our industry. And one of the questions we hear all the time is, well, once COVID subsides and goes away, however that happens, is, is this going to stop? Is this over? Is this just a momentary uh, blip in time? And, and, and I want to be very specific in my answer to that, and that is it depends on us and the industry, because what this is giving us the opportunity to do is to test and demonstrate what we can do and how we can do it safely and how we can do it within the confines of the regulations. And if we are taking advantage of that, not just the opportunity to go do projects and make revenue and get try to fill the gap of what we're not able to do from a normal standpoint, we're the ones that are going to define whether or not this opportunity keeps us on a path of growth. That's number one. Um, and, and number two, 
you know, one of the things that I brief the team out here every morning when we get started, and they'll tell you, they hear it every day, I say 50% of what we're out here doing is about delivery. 50% is about learning and gathering data, and 100% of it is about operating within the constraints of the regulations, operating safely, and doing everything we can to not do, have a, first off, have anybody have injured or have an accident or do anything that can have a negative impact. And I know those numbers don't add up, but you get my point. So I will say that one of the things I think our industry, I've learned is, um, I think we tend to wanna have only enough transparency with the FAA to try to get concurrence on what we want or try to get a waiver on what we want. One of the things that we've learned here in working with the FAA is we're going to them with the kimono wide open. And you know, we've been on the phone with them and we throw everything and we go, here's what we're gonna do. And sometimes they go, we don't like that and we don't like that. Okay, fine, we will adjust. But you know, I think for me, and I, I, don't, I can't say because I haven't been in the aviation industry as long as other people have. And, but what I can say is my perception has, has changed so dramatically over the past nine, 10, 11, 12 months with the FAA and how quickly they've responded, how helpful I feel like they've been and how encouraging they've been of us to do things that will help move the industry forward. I'm not saying that they've said, you know, take any chances, be risky, ignore that rule, nothing like that. But where we've gone to them and said, here's the, here's the guidelines as we read them, and here's how we intend to operate, and they give us good constructive feedback, and then we go back and we're transparent with them on the outcomes of that operation. It's been spectacular. Uh, I, I, I really can't say enough about about that and certainly i want to take this opportunity to say grant has has, is, has been representing us in that process and uh, uh grant you have been spectacular and i don't know that we would be where we are right this minute in the in the multiple multiple operations that we're doing we have another one that we did this week that we also haven't announced publicly that won't get announced until next week which is pretty substantial uh, so it's always nice when you can have a big announcement and have one in the bag right so um, I think, um, I, I hope I answered your question there, Grant, and um, I'll turn it back over to you. Thanks, Tom, for the kind words. And I can say I've been attorney now for about 11 years, and um, I don't want to, you know, I love all my drone clients equally, and anytime you get to do a cool project like this, it, it's, it's amazing. And if you had told me when I was in law school that I was going to be helping um, a major pilot network and drone solutions provider in the U.S. work with a company like Walmart and Quest Diagnostics to deliver pandemic tests, I, I would have said you were crazy. Um, but life has taken me there and it's just been amazing and to get to work with people not just like you but with Mike as well and to meet all the great people in the industry. It's been great and this has been a tragic year for our country but it has been a silver lining for our industry. And it's not an issue of opportunism and taking advantage of the negative uh, consequences of the pandemic, because that's not what we're doing. We're trying to make a difference. And um, Drone Up and Walmart and Quest are doing that. They are allowing people to test for this horrible disease while maintaining social distancing. And while not having to leave their house. And you really can't ask for more right now than that. So um, Mike Blaze, I wanna thank you again. It's always a pleasure to have you on the program. Your expertise is invaluable. Um, thanks for being here. Tom, it's always a pleasure working with you and Drone Up. And I'm excited for the next things we have in the pipeline that of course we can't discuss right now, but 
Um, drone ops not done uh, making waves. So I think it's it's safe to say that. So um, thank you both for being here today and please be sure to join us next time on Drones in America by Market Scale.